This is Josh Brown. I'm joined in the studio with Daniel Fusco, pastor of Crossroads Community Church in Vancouver, Washington. He's the author of a newly released book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. Hi, Pastor Daniel. Thanks for joining us. Josh, it's my pleasure. Great to hear your voice, man. Good to hear your voice too, Pastor Daniel. We wanted to take this first half of this special edition of Jesus is Real Radio To sort of help listeners get to know you, Daniel, I'm sure there are listeners all over the United States that would love to hear your story. Can you tell us a little bit about yourself, where you grew up, how you received Jesus? Absolutely, Josh. And I talk about it a little bit in my book. Um, I grew up in an all Italian family in New Jersey. All of them came out of New York City and a huge family really uh, full of love, uh, just a ton of love. But we were, I grew up in a spiritually, I like to say a spiritually apathetic home where we were culturally Catholic, but not really spiritually anything. And uh, by the time I was in my teenage years, um, I was a pretty wild kid and uh, didn't really, uh, definitely didn't know the Lord at all. And I ended up coming to a saving knowledge of Jesus at the very last, about two months of college. I went to Rutgers University there in New Jersey and uh, through a number of events, both uh, a professor who encouraged me to read the scriptures. I had uh, two friends who had come to know Jesus in college, and uh, and their sharing, I ended up coming to know Jesus at the very, very end of college. Wow. You know, some of our listeners, they may not know that you pastor a thriving church in Vancouver. It's just across the river uh, from Portland, an area that I know is becoming quickly identified as one of the most liberal in the country. Could you tell Jesus is real listeners how you came to pastor Crossroads Community Church? Absolutely. So, you know, once I came to know Jesus, I was embarking on a career in music and uh, God called me specifically into the ministry of the word. And so I had planted a church in New Jersey, mm-hmm. my native state, and then I had planted a church uh, in San Francisco and just outside of San Francisco in Marin County, California. And I had known the founding pastor of Crossroads, uh, Pastor Bill Ritchie, for mm-hmm. a number of years. Uh, I'd go to conferences and he would be teaching and then sometimes I would be teaching and we just became friends right. and uh, and he was looking to turn over the church to a significantly younger pastor. I mean, when I got to Crossroads, he was, uh, you know, in his early 70s okay. and um, and so it was one of those things where he invited me up and one of the reasons he uh, invited me and this church invited me is because of my history of ministering in uh, environments that are pretty much known for not being uh, Christian environments. Right. So, um, kind of being being raised in New Jersey and, and pastoring in New Jersey and then also in the San Francisco Bay Area, coming up to what is just outside of Portland, Oregon, uh, I, I find that I really thrive in this type of an environment. Yeah. You're a family man, too. I know listeners would love to know more about your wife, Lynn, and, and your children, Obadiah, Maranatha. Absolutely. So my, my wife, uh, Lynn, and I, we've been married for 12 years, just celebrated our 12th anniversary. And literally, uh, my wife, Lynn, is the nicest person I've ever met. And I can say that on <laughs> 
honestly, <laughs> even after being married to her for 12 years. And uh, and so we've been married for 12 years. She's an amazing wow. woman. I'm just so grateful for her. And uh, yeah, we have three kids. We have Obadiah, our son. He just turned 11. Uh, just a super cool guy. He's, yeah. you know, with a name like Obadiah, that's you have to have a big personality. And Obadiah, <laughs> he's like the mayor. He knows everybody. He loves people. Then our second child, her name is Maranatha. She just turned eight years old. We like to call her the boss because she's the boss. She 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 likes rules. She knows them, and she's a she's just a great. She's super fun. And then we also have a two year old at our at our house named Annabelle. And uh, Annabelle is you can pray for us because Annabelle is totally two. So she's kind of crazy, uh, but <laughs> so sweet. We're just we're really blessed. And we have a crazy dog named Molly as well, Black Lab mix who lick you like crazy. So. <laughs> that's that's great. It sounds like a blessing, Pastor Daniel. Congratulations on your anniversary. Oh, uh, thanks so much. Yeah, we know that radio is a big part of the outreach at Crossroads Community Church. Where else in the Vancouver, Portland area are you reaching out? What's God leading the body there at Crossroads to do besides radio? Well, you know, we love being on the radio and we love being on uh, Facebook and on the internet. We, we love using all the airwaves, mm-hmm. but we also love being a part of our community and our world. Here at Crossroads, we have to say, because Jesus is real, we're a family of faith, fully engaged, transforming our community and our world. So not only do we do extensive outreach into our community, both with evangelism and uh, all sorts of social compassion, but every single ministry of Crossroads has a, uh, a missional component in our community. Like our women's ministry is completely involved in, in blessing in all women's prison. Mm. Right now at Crossroads, we're doing a huge project to, to minister to vulnerable children within uh, the Vancouver public school system mm-hmm. with all sorts of supplies that they need. Our men's ministry is uh, completely engaged in homeless ministry. Oh, wow. And so uh, every single one of our core ministries at Crossroads has a uh, an outreach component into our community of all different sorts. And then as a church family, we, we are our social compassion and outreach and we call it love now and we are always doing projects we're involved in so many aspects of our community we want to proclaim the good news of jesus and we also want to demonstrate that the good news is being brought to bear on our hearts and we wanted to see it brought to bear on our community that that's wonderful to hear of the the different things that you're doing and uh, I just want to thank you for taking time this this first part of the program to just share your heart, who you are, about the ministry at Crossroads, about Jesus is Real Radio. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Uh, my pleasure. Again, thanks for joining us for this special edition of Jesus is Real Radio with Pastor Daniel Fusco. Daniel's here in the studio with me. Thanks for sharing your heart with us, Pastor Daniel. Now, We want to turn the corner and begin talking about something really exciting. Your newly released book, Honestly Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives, written from the book of Ephesians. Pastor Daniel, can you tell listeners why you felt led to write this book? Absolutely, Josh. I felt like I had to write this book, and mostly because as I looked at my own life, As I looked at the lives of the people around me, the folks here at Crossroads and in the different church communities I've been a part of, um, there's one consistent theme is that life is messy. Mm -hmm. And you think about um, all of the Apostle Paul's letters. He planted these churches and he would write these letters because things were messy in those churches. But not only is the, the constant that life is messy... Um, important, but it's also that in the midst of the mess that Jesus is real. And, and that's why we call it Jesus is real radio because my 
the driving passion of my life and what God is doing in my heart is always showing me that no matter what's going on, Jesus is real. He Amen. is at street level Amen. and he wants us to not only worship him, but walk with him in the midst of the mess. So when it came time to, to write a book, I'm like, yeah, I have to write this book honestly about being honest and getting real about right. both Jesus and our messy lives. And anybody who's listened to Jesus is Real Radio know that it's all about, for me, the intersection of where faith in Jesus and real life meet and what the scriptures say about that and what the spirit of God is encouraging us to be in the midst of that. Amen. You know, that, that really kind of helps us take that corner in the first chapter of the book. You address one of the greatest fallacies I I believe in the church today. You know, it's that thought. If I know God, my life's going to be great. My wife and I won't fight. My children will be perfectly behaved. I'll get that promotion at work. There's almost this notion that Christianity is a bed of roses And for those of us who know Jesus, this just isn't true, is it, Daniel? You know, we'd love it to be true. And and it's a fairy tale and it's wonderful. But Jesus did tell us that. He said, in the world, you will have tribulation, but be of good cheer. I've overcome the world. And I think for a lot of people and churches, they want to make, they want to make Christianity look good. So they say, believe in Jesus and everything's going to be great. Everything's going to get better. Mm. And in a sense, everything does get better, but life is still totally messy. And so I really wanted to, you know, I call that first section acknowledgement because we need to acknowledge the mess and, And if you look at the Jesus in the Gospels, every single experience that we hear about Jesus, there's this whole mess that's going on, but he is uh, the Lord over the mess. And so I really wanted to take aim at that because I didn't want to give people a false expectation of what it means to follow Jesus. Say, no, listen, Mm. your life is messy. My life is messy. Everyone's life is messy. But the story isn't only that life is messy. It's also that Jesus is real and he's in the midst of the mess. So I, I really wanted to take aim at that we need to acknowledge how messy life really is and how sometimes God works in perplexing ways. He does things that doesn't make a lot of sense to us at the moment, but we start to realize that God is at work in the midst of it. Amen. You know, in that acknowledgement of difficulty, trial, struggle, where do you think that this misrepresentation in the body of Christ comes from? Why do people leave this impression that Christianity is that bed of roses? Well, I think that the people of God, and especially pastors, we want people to believe in Jesus. Mm. And so, in some ways, what we do is we're, it's not that we're overselling and under-delivering. Mm. We're actually trying to peddle something that isn't the gospel. See, the mm. gospel isn't believe in Jesus and everything's going to work out perfectly. It says, no. Life isn't perfect. That's why Jesus came and died and rose again. And he will walk with us in the midst of the mess. And so I think in the best intentions of us as pastors and leaders, we want to make Christianity attractive, but we're also selling it in in such a way that isn't honest about what the gospel is in and of itself. And so like, I like, I always am telling people, God didn't promise you that everything is going to go perfect. God promised that however it goes, he's going to be with us. And that actually makes it a beautiful experience. Yeah. That, that really brings the gospel kind of front and center. And uh, I think that leads me to my next question. Why, Why do you think it's so important that we personally acknowledge the messiness in our own lives? Well, I think it's important First, it is important for us because for many of us, the experiences that we're having that were, that are messy, we actually want to just 
blame the devil for it. Mm-hmm. But oftentimes, the situations that we're going through, we learn the most on the hard days. It's it's mm-hmm. in the challenging situations right. that we grow the most. That like the uh, disciples when they're on the Sea of Galilee, when Jesus is sleeping and that storm rises up, they realize what is in them, and in that case, it's a lack of faith. And they right. also realize who Jesus is, the one who can speak peace into the midst of chaos. So there's a, a personal need for us so that we can see what's in our hearts and also understand the heart of God. But I also think it's important that we acknowledge the mess from a, a mission perspective or a witness perspective, mm. because so often we try and pasteurize the messiness of our own lives in relating to other people because we think it's going to reflect negatively on on who the Lord is. But I actually think right. in a messy world, when a follower of Jesus will say, my life is totally messy and things don't make a lot of sense, right. but I trust in God, but I hope in God, but I believe that God's going to bring something beautiful out of it. For somebody, a neighbor, a friend, a coworker who doesn't know Jesus, they watch that and they say, wow, my life is messy too, right. but I want to believe in a God who can bring something beautiful out of it. So there's an evangelism piece to it that I think is essential that if we pretend like our life isn't messy and we don't live a life of hope in the midst of the mess, we don't have a chance for the gospel to run forth from our lives and reach other people. That That's definitely a section of the book that really impacted me. I know as a Christian, it's easy to sort of divorce myself from the woes of the world, to kind of have that holier-than-thou attitude you talk about a cultural cancer in this first part of the book that that includes us, right? That's right. I mean, I talk about the idea of a cultural cancer in the sense that we often never call into question our own cultural assumptions. And so we live in a world that is, people call it post-Christian. I like to say it's probably pre-revival. Mm. It's probably a more hopeful way to say it. And, and, and so our culture has certain assumptions that nobody questions because it's like a fish questioning water. It's like you just live in it. But within the church, I think we also, as you're getting at, we have a set of assumptions that we rarely question. And I think what it does is it keeps us from being able to, to exist in this world the way Jesus is the way Jesus did. I mean, you think about the beginning of John's gospel. It said how the word became flesh and dwelt among us and we beheld his glory. Jesus was completely 100% acquainted with what was going on in this culture. And the church for a long time has kind of pulled itself out. We're going to be in the world, but not of the world. But in a lot of ways, we're not in or of the world. We're kind of pulled away and in a little holy huddle on the side. Mm -hmm. But we need to re-engage. And I love watching what God's doing in this generation because so much of the people have got to re engaging in the culture, but not becoming exactly like it, knowing that we are different. We're God's peculiar people, but we need to re-engage so that we can be an incarnational witness of the finished work of Jesus in a world that is looking for help, but doesn't know where to find it. Amen. That, that really comes full circle back to the gospel. You know, if we're messy and the people around us are messy, this is, this is where the need comes from. So, If our lives are messy, here's the next question. What do we do? How can we navigate through this life with that understanding? I I think that's really what the second part of your book really speaks to, the nitty-gritty of the effect of the gospel in our lives. Uh, Knowing that our lives are messy, where does the gospel fit in, specifically the resurrection of Jesus Christ. You know, I call that second section of the book, I call it resolution. Mm-hmm. Because really, the the person and work of Jesus is the resolution to the mess. And mm. I really talk a lot about the gospel, the fact that 
The reason Jesus came and he lived and the reason Jesus died and the reason he rose again and the reason Jesus ascended into heaven and sent forth his Holy Spirit to indwell believers is to show us that the mess is, it's problematic, but it's also purposeful. And, mm. and Jesus is the resolution. The gospel is God's resolution to the issues that plague the world. And we begin to see that, I mean, think about it. Jesus crucified on the cross. Is there anything more catastrophically messy mm. than that? Right. But the gospel is that God brings out life from death. And God brings out beauty from mess because of the resurrection of Jesus. So a lot of the resolution is us learning how to allow the spirit of God to cultivate the resurrected life of Jesus in the midst of our mess. Amen. Part of the resolution section of your book, you introduce a concept, living God style. What is this? How does this work? Well, in a lot of ways, it's about us being allowed to reflect the purposes and the ways of God in the midst of the world that we live in. And so God's way of living is different. We like, it's called God's kingdom. And, and people say things like God's kingdom economy is an upside down kingdom where the last will be first and the first will be last and the meek will inherit the earth where someone like Frank Zappa would say, well, the meek will inherit nothing. See, and so when you live God's style, what you begin to realize is that in God's economy and in God's kingdom, Things work differently than maybe the way our culture works. And God, by his spirit, because of the finished work of Jesus, is teaching and leading each one of us to be able to live life in a way like Jesus, that the world is messy, but we can kind of connect up with the rhythms of God's grace and with his movements in a world. And we get to flow through it in a way that is uh, unique rather than um, trying to push against it and fight against the currents. Amen. I, I know I'm like most listeners. I really want to help change the world, but oftentimes I try in my own strength. You you talk about this in the resolution section, trying in your own strength. What's the solution, Pastor Daniel? Well, obviously the solution is to plug into God's strength. You know, mm-hmm. uh, where the Apostle Paul, he had that uh, that that uh, ailment in the flesh. And God said to him, my, my grace is sufficient for you. And so God isn't inviting us to white knuckle our way through mm. life. We're just going to get this thing done. We're going to push this thing <laughs> right. through. God's inviting us to say, Hey, listen, you can rest in me right. and allow my spirit to, to lead you in it. And I'll bring you through it. You trust me mm. and I'll bring you through it. You know, we, it's not that we don't have a responsibility. We absolutely do. But we live in a culture that says we're going to pull ourselves up by the bootstraps and we're going to push our way through this. And God's saying, no, no, no. I don't want you to push your way through. I, I want, I, I want to lead you through this. Amen. And as I lead you through this, I'm going to reveal myself in you and to you and through you in a way you could have never imagined before. Amen. This, this really does lead us. It's kind of into the second to the last section of the book. Uh, you begin talking about what it means to pursue God in the midst of life's messiness. You encourage readers to walk this way. What does that mean? What does it look like to walk this way? Well, what's beautiful is that, you know, that, that third section we call pursuance. And, and what's beautiful is I've, I've based the whole book, both around the book of Ephesians and also around uh, John Coltrane's mm-hmm. kind of seminal jazz album, Love Supreme, where, um, 
my background in music, it's, it's really uh, personal for me. And I talk about how as a bass player, that was, uh, is my background still to this day. I play bass upright and electric bass, how you learn how to walk a bass line. And, and, and the job of the bass in jazz music is to bridge the, the chords and the melody of, of the, the, the melodic instruments and the rhythm of the drums. And I use that as a, as an example, as an analogy, as a picture of following Jesus, that there is a right and a wrong way to walk. And mm -hmm. in Paul's letter to the Ephesians, especially chapters four and five, there's a number of these. I want you to walk this way. I want you to walk in humility. Right. I want you to walk in love. I want you to walk in light. I want you to walk in wisdom. And so God's resolution to the mess is the finished work of Jesus. And then we respond to that finished work. And that becomes the testimony of our lives, our walks, the way that we respond to Jesus and move through this world. And so part of my goal of the pursuant section is to show us to slow down and show us how important who we are in the midst of the messy world is because mm. of who Jesus is. And so the idea of every single day we're moving through this world, we're moving through space and uh, in the midst of people, and, and we want to reflect uh, who Jesus is in the midst of that. Yeah. You know, as I've listened to you today, it's obvious that faith plays a huge part in this process. Simply believing that God is ready and willing to work through the messiness of our lives. Let me ask you this question. How do you answer the person who asks the big question? Why does God allow this or that to happen? Let's say specifically losing a loved one to cancer. That's right. And, and that is, those are the big questions, aren't they? And so, you know, for me, every question gets answered by the gospel in some different way. So if someone were to lose, like, like in my case, mm. I share about in the book, losing my mother to cancer. She was 49. I was in my early twenties when it happened, you know, mm -hmm. and, and when the gospel says that God created everyone for life. Mm. And so death comes as a result of sin. So, so yeah, so death, it's always wrong. It was never God's intention. Mm -hmm. But the gospel also says that Jesus died so that we might have life. And in his death and resurrection, we pass from death to life again. And so God is redeeming death by substituting life for it. And so I always remind people first that when you lose a loved one, that's always wrong. No matter if someone's lived a good long life or somebody gets taken away way too early. That was never mm -hmm. God's intention. Right. But the reason we believe in Jesus is because God is redeeming death with life right. and he does it through Jesus. And so what is God up to? The question is, is I don't know. And, and I'm always in that, in that wow. pursuant section. I, I spent a lot of time talking about that. We want to make everything really neat and tidy with God. We want to make everything black and white, but God is much more mysterious than we give him credit for because yeah. he is infinite and we are finite. So we don't understand all that God right. is doing. And just because we can't understand everything about God doesn't mean we can't understand anything about God. He's given us his word and he's explained a lot to us in his word, but there's a lot of things that we're never going to understand on this side of eternity all that God is working, but we can trust him in the midst of it because he has shown himself to be good, especially in the death and resurrection of Jesus. Mm, amen. In the last section of the book, it's entitled Psalm. You really bring home the truth that God is love and his love needs to impact us. So now that we know that life's messy, we're messy, culture's messy, there's not a lot of hope in and of ourselves, 
where do we go from here? Well, once we believe in Jesus and we resolve that mess in the fact that Jesus is the answer to the mess, and once we start to follow Jesus, then the defining characteristic of the people of God is meant to be love. I mean, when they ask Jesus to to sum up all the 613 commandments in the law, he said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, strength, and mind, and then love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. The fruit of the Spirit is love. The Apostle Paul tells us in 1 Corinthians 13, the greatest of these is love. Jesus said, by this men will know you are my disciples by the love that you have one for another. So the, the psalm, the, the, the act of worship, the, the song that the believer sings should be a song of love, first to God and then to the world around us. Right. And so I really wanted to drive home in the end of the book that the defining characteristic of a follower of Jesus would be love because that was the defining characteristic of Jesus. Oh, he loved his disciples to the end. Oh, how much he loved his people. And so we want to live and move in this world as Jesus lived and moved in the world. And that would be defined by love for God and love for our neighbors. Amen. Well, I'm sure that everyone listening will want to get a copy of this book as soon as possible. Honestly, getting real about Jesus and our messy lives is available right now. I'll be sharing more about how you can get your own copy. But first, I'd like to thank you, Pastor Daniel, for taking the time to talk with me today about this new book. Do you have any closing thoughts for Jesus is Real listeners? Well, I just want to say to each one of you who are, are part of the Jesus is Real family, thank you so much that we can be on this journey together. I listen, I know that life is messy. Mine is. I know that yours is. But every single day we're learning that Jesus is real. So thank you for being on this journey with me. I'm totally humbled and excited at what God is doing in each one of your lives. And Josh, I'm super grateful for you as well. Thanks, bro. Glad to be a part of Jesus is Real Radio. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. Jesus is Hey everybody, Daniel Fusco here. Thanks for joining us. I am really excited about my new book, Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives. And guess what? The book is out right now. Your life, my life is messy and it's hard and it can be uncertain at times. Messiness is the default human condition. And Jesus is real, showing up in the middle of that, bringing beauty out of all of it. And only through the good news and the love of Jesus can we learn how to thrive in the midst of our mess. Here's Josh with more information about how you can get your own copy of Honestly. Thanks, Pastor Daniel. To get your very own copy of Honestly, Getting Real About Jesus and Our Messy Lives, log on to HonestlyBook.com. That's honestlybook.com. Jesus is real.